0: Welcome to the PEMSO Effect Podcast. Host Steve Shrout provides tips for anyone challenged with living a balanced lifestyle in today's world. He created the PEMSO Effect concept while working as a senior media executive to help him overcome his challenges with balancing career, family, and his personal life. On each episode, Steve will share from his personal journey and interview leading experts about their research and their life experiences. He will present concepts and strategies to help you discover your best self, enhance your performance, and develop your personal brand. Here's Steve with today's edition of the Pemso Effect.
1: Hey, thanks for making time to join us on today's episode of the Pemso Effect podcast. If you're not aware, the word PEMSO is actually an acronym that stands for physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and occupational growth. It's the belief that when leaders take better care of themselves, they can take better care of the people around them. And I am pleased and privileged to have Dr. Jason Barker from Fort Collins, Colorado, join me on this episode. Uh, He has spent more than 19 years in his own private medical practice and is now venturing out to take care of executives and is concerned about their health and their development. He's passionate about helping people uncover and resolve hidden health limitations so that they can unleash better performance, faster recovery, and vigorous health. Dr. Jason Barker. Now I I see here that you are an executive health coach and endurance athlete. Give me a little bit of background. Like, you know, what's the context on that? What does that mean?
2: So, um, you you know, I have my brick and mortar practice here in town. Um, You know, I'm trained as a general practitioner, basically. So and I've been in practice for 19 years now and mm. so we kind of see whatever comes in the door you know gut aches fatigue hormones migraines all of that stuff and been doing it for a while so there's that and then um Part of me, you know, like I say, endurance athletes. So I really love to do triathlons and, you know, ran across the Grand Canyon and all that stuff. And so I've always uh, had a side niche or specialty in my practice of working with, you know, I say active and athletic people and, you know, helping them improve their performance.
1: So when you're dealing with, you know, endurance athletes, and you know, you're an executive health coach, what are the similarities there?
2: You know, the, the program I have is, um, would work for anybody really. So, um, and yeah, you, you mentioned executives. Yeah. That's a different type of endurance athlete too. Cause just like you said, they, you know, working hard, you know, these are type a driven people. So very similar to an endurance athlete. It's just different form of expression, I guess. So yeah, we can, still do all the lifestyle changes you know work on the sleep teach them about recovery teach them to take care of themselves because i think we said this earlier too is that you know if, you, if you're not taking care of your body and your health then how can you serve others to the best of your ability so that's mm-hmm. really where I want to play a role in that. And I think a lot of these people too, aren't necessarily aware of how their health is affecting their performance, you know, and you meet these people too. It's like, I sleep four hours a night and I just plow through it. And I'm like, that's cool. (laughs) Good for you. But we all know that that's not the best way to
1: operate. Yeah. I find that, um, you know, sometimes executives get so, ingrained into performing that they wear things like I only sleep four hours a night or I work 16 hours a day. They wear it like a batch and you know, that over time starts to come back on them and they're no longer able to produce the quality that their job demands simply because physically they're not able to do it. When you're prescribing these plans for people, you know, and you're generally starting their work or the routine with them, what are some of the factors that you initially look at? And then where does it typically go from there?
2: Yeah, so I have, um, you know, I send people a very thick intake packet that asks them a lot of questions about their diet, their lifestyle, their sleep, their stress, their energy, their um, activity, their exercise. So I ask all of that, everything, and it's in the packet. And part of the reason all those questions are in the packet is because I'm trying to um, spike some introspection on their part, too. Um, you know, they fill out the paperwork, we kind of go through that. And then of course, I'm kind of picking and choosing the areas that, you know, on the paperwork and their questions are problematic, so to speak, and then we'll uh, focus in on that. Mm -hmm. So it's very um, personalized in that regard. It's never, you know, everybody gets the same kind of plan or treatment in that regard, because everybody's got different things going on.
1: Yeah, I would imagine the assessment routine well, I say the assessment regimen that you have might start out to be routine, but going from there, as you uh, observe and the you know see the results, then you prescribe the plan for them.
2: Yeah, exactly. Because you know, sleep. We mentioned you know you yeah. get people who say, "I sleep uh, seven point five hours a night perfectly. I fall asleep, I stay asleep, I wake up refreshed."
1: Okay, great. Well, then next, that's not an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's go down the trail on a couple of these things, just you know, so that I can kind of understand what you think the minimum viable efficiency or effectiveness would be. So when we do talk about sleep. Is there a a number or how, how do you look at it? You know, do some people function well on five hours a night and some people function they need yeah. eight to nine hours a night? Well, you know, in in general, you know, we've
2: all been taught, you know, you need seven to eight hours of continuous sleep a night. So that's what all the science and the research points to. And I agree with that. And yes, we know people that only sleep five hours a night and we all know that when you have a bad night of sleep you sure you can get up and you can do your thing and so everybody has their tolerance i guess is what i would say and then you know kind of more important on that is the actual sleep cycle is one thing i look at and this is also in the research too is we know that sleep from about 10 p.m to 6 a.m those are the golden hours of sleep that's when it's most restorative you know we all have these circadian rhythms right right and that's what's ideal however you meet people who are wide awake at 10 p.m. and they stay up till midnight and 1 and then they sleep in you know they're still getting that 7 or 8 hours but it's it's shifted and so i'm not so regimented that i would say no you've you've got to go to bed at 10 even though your creative hours are late at night so we work with people but that's the exception a lot of people just stay up late because they've got kids and they've got their business and they've got their other stuff so I try and uh, dissect that out and figure out who's a true night owl, who's a true morning person. And then, you know, we we adapt to that.
1: So what, you know, when we do talk about sleep, because like I I do think this is one of those topics, you know, everybody knows what they should do, but very few people actually do the right thing. You know, what, what routines would you suggest a person do kind of take on as they power down for the evening to prepare themselves to receive a good sleep?
2: Sure. Yeah. I think, um, you know, get rid of the phone. So leave it downstairs or out of the room, or turn it off, or turn off your Wi-Fi. There's obviously a lot of little tricks like that. But the best thing is to go upstairs, do your, you know, your hygiene, brush your teeth, things like that. Mm-hmm. Make sure the room is dark. You know, get rid of the, uh, you know, some of us still have those alarm clocks with the big lights on them. We know that any amount of light will disrupt the melatonin production. So I want that room pitch black as best you can. Um, Like I say, cool temperature, get in bed, again, meditate, think on something other than your problems for the day. Uh, Reading a book is a great wind down, because, you know, it's not stimulating. But I would, you know, in a perfect world, somebody would have 30 minutes to do this, whereas they're not, um, you know, it's not like, oh, I just slam my computer shut and go upstairs, brush my teeth and hop in bed. That's not, that's not enough time. So there needs to be you know, that lead time where things
1: are shutting down. Right. So taking uh, intentional steps to make sure you set up the space. Now, what's your thoughts on things like um, sleep trackers? Because like I use a, a a smartwatch and it has a sleep tracker functionality on it. And it seems to be pretty accurate. Like it tells me how many times I wake up in a night when I'm in deep sleep, when I'm in REM sleep, uh, those kinds of things. Do you encourage your your clients to to use those devices?
2: Yeah, I think they're you know, I like them, like you said, they're very valuable. They give you a lot of information. It kind of depends on the personality type too, because some people are going to uh, need and enjoy that type of feedback. And then also sometimes it breeds some of that neuroticism where they're always checking it and what did I do and how, right. can I, you know, so it's, again, it's a fine line. And I kind of use the analogy of like, you know, as runners, we wear a watch and you're looking at distance and pace and heart rate and things like that. And that's great information, but sometimes, you know, you just want to go for a run and not think about all the technology. So I, yeah, I like the sleep apps. I think they're helpful. I think it's, um, they're appropriate for certain personalities though.
1: I I really like that approach because I think personality does play an an integral part in your adaptation to some of these things. I know for me, I'm a, I'm a data guy. I like the numbers. I always Mm -hmm. have been. And some of my clients are as well, but other clients, um, aren't so much that. So, you know, having a, a smartwatch and a fitness tracker to them is like, yeah, I could, I could take it or leave it. You know, it's not right. really my thing. Let's kind of move into another area. So you've had a good night's sleep, good habits for the morning. Like when we talk about getting up, uh, preparing yourself for high performance in the day An endurance athlete, I, I I don't think an endurance athlete gets up in the morning and goes for a, a 20 mile run Uh, They're preparing. So I think there's probably some kind of warm up routines. But for executive health, what would you suggest?
2: Yeah. So we know what the wrong thing to do is. I guess we could start with that, and that's waking up and grabbing your phone and looking at it. You know, going on whatever app. And you know, and when we wake up, our brains are moving slow, and there's a flow state, so to speak, as we're waking up. So ideally, somebody would get up. They would go downstairs. They would drink some water. They would rehydrate. Um, you know, I'm not against a cup of coffee or a cup of tea or anything like that in the morning, but then ideally somebody would sit in silence and um, think, however, what it is they want to think about. Do they want to pray? Do they want to count their blessings? Do they want to look at their goals? Um, So some of those more um, aesthetic type thought patterns, I guess, More so before getting into like, oh my gosh, I've got this appointment, I've got all this other stuff to do. So I think getting the mind straight, setting your, um, you know, setting your mind for a successful day is an ideal way to start to get that day going. And then when you've done that, when you've gotten your brain engaged, yeah, then you start thinking about, okay, I've got to do this X, Y, and Z and get the kids up and all those things. And, And so personally, I do that. And boy, when I don't get a chance to do that in the morning, the day is a lot rougher personally so.
1: Yeah. I find a lot of people are so stuck on the physical health meaning you know they get up in the morning and um they try to encourage themselves to hit the gym or go for a walk, go for a run, do something physical to get moving, which I think there's benefit to, but I mm-hmm. I do think that people forget that you can prepare yourself for the day emotionally and mentally too. Like you know, the, all three of those components, the physical, emotional, and mental is is really Uh, Integral to making sure that you are set up for high performance in the day. Um, What are your thoughts on that? I I totally agree with you. Like I think the um, mental and
2: emotional reset or setting in the morning is an absolute priority. Um, I think, you know, getting the exercise out of the way in the morning is a great idea too because it does set your, you know, set your physiology for the day. You're getting it out of the way. It's also a form of meditation if you allow it to be. So if you are exercising and you're out on a run and you're looking at the sunrise or you're breathing the fresh air or whatever, or you can do this in the gym too, you know, you can think about your gratitudes or anything else like that. So it kind of continues in that respect to help you set your day up properly.
1: You know, it, there's a lot of science that talks about metabolism and uh, things such as, you know, cardio versus weight training and resistance mm-hmm. training and, you know, how you can prolong your metabolism to burn calories even longer into the day. I, I do think that there's the the similar effect that if you get up and you do not engage emotionally and mentally to prepare yourself for the day, then you're going to have a short sighted day you know you're you're probably going to have less control over your emotions and mentally you're not going to be as clear for as long in the day but yeah. if you prepare yourself properly you can in in my opinion prolong the effects of that preparation Somebody gets up, they they do their exercise and stuff. What what about nutrition? Like, what kind of things are you seeing right now as it pertains to some of the problems that uh, business people, leaders, executives are coming to your practice with when it comes to the way that they're eating these days? So I think uh, the big
2: the biggest concern I guess I, I have or see is that uh, people you know, they're eating on on the go foods, which are typically processed and full of sugar, and then they're eating on the go. So they're cramming something down in their car while they're driving, you know, in a stress state, they're not in that um, rest and relaxed state. So that is also going to inhibit how they assimilate those nutrients and how their digestion works. So it's kind of a twofold issue. There's that and then, you know, there's intermittent fasting is kind of a popular thing these days. And that's where um, you fast for you know, upward of 12 plus hours. And so that often precludes breakfast. Well, it does preclude breakfast for a lot of people. And, you know, I think it's a, it can be useful again for the right person, you know, and this is kind of a weight loss strategy. However, I don't think it's an optimal strategy for performance. Mm-hmm. especially if you are somebody who's got a busy day and you've got to get up and go and you've got to think and make decisions and things like that, you need to have some of that energy on board because we are, when we wake up, we're in a fasted state. We have not eaten for, you know, since dinner, right? So while we're equipped to fast for long periods of time, it's not an optimal state for performance. So people need to eat a good breakfast, you know, complex carbohydrates, some protein, and some fat. You know, a balanced meal. Sit down and eat it. Even if it's 15 minutes, get something in your body so that you can re-nourish yourself and get those nutrients. And hydration is also a big one too. I mentioned having a glass of water when you wake up. Again, you haven't had anything to drink for t- 10 or so hours, so you're dehydrated to some to some extent. And there's a lot of information about you know when you're dehydrated, brain is not working as well either. So getting the mm-hmm. fluid in. Fluid on board is just as important as
1: food. You know, I know, I know fad diets are are the easiest thing. You know, they kind of motivate us for a while. A lot of people get on board and, you know, there's a lot of different programs out there and some work for different body types and life lifestyles. Um, But when you do your assessment, do you find that one of the fad diets typically works for this individual or do you create a, a customized plan for them based on their, their body type? I would answer you. Yes. So yes, (laughs) both of those, you know,
2: there's, yeah. So diet is, um, is a very deep hole to get into. And even with the different fad diets, I'll meet people who are, are doing it well and they're, they've done their research. And so they have a good understanding of it. And then I have people who are doing it and they're, they're not doing it well. So let's just take you know, vegetarianism, for example, nothing wrong with that works for, for a lot of people. I don't have a problem with it, but I, I see these people who are eating, you know, oh, I had a bowl of cereal and then, you know, I had Mac and cheese and I had a cheese pizza and, you know, so I call these people carbotarians. So, <laughs> right, uh, you know, they're, they're vegetarian. Yep. They got that down, but they're the, the quality of the food is poor. So so yeah, people, some people are doing it well, other people are not doing it well. And then, yeah, there's a, the individual component of that too. And I'll kind of segue into, you know, one of the tests we do on everybody as part of the plan is a food sensitivity test. And so mm-hmm. this is looking at, um, this is not an allergy, right? Like a person who eats peanuts and has anaphylaxis, you know, these are, uh, you can define this as more of a smoldering reaction. So you can eat a food if you're sensitive to that food, this can cause, GI upset, or it could cause a rash the next day, or it could cause um, inflammation in the joints or anything like that. So these are reactions you don't see immediately upon eating those foods. So I do this test on everybody because while a person may be eating very healthily, they may be eating foods that are not good for their own personal physiology. That's where I get into um, drilling it down a little bit more on their actual diet.
1: So that's a good point. If you think that you're eating healthily, but you are kind of taking in food that isn't good for your body type, what are some of the symptoms? So you said like rash and things like that. Are there other things, maybe fatigue or, you know, what other kind of symptoms would you typically see?
2: Absolutely. Like uh, brain fog is a big one, you know, and this is where Um, I think we've all, all experienced brain fog at a point where you can't remember something, or you're having a hard time thinking or focusing. And there are foods that do this to people. So that's a very real um, reaction fatigue is another one, you know, I ate this food, and I'm just so tired after that. And part of the reason you see that fatigue is because your immune system is busy fighting those proteins. And so that takes a lot of energy. And it sounds, you know, it sounds kind of woo woo, but it but it isn't you think about like, how much energy your immune system expends on fighting things in your body—it's—it's it's an appreciable amount of energy. So anyway, fatigue, brain fog—you um, know, like joint pain is a big one, or stiffness, stiff muscles, cramps—you'll see that a lot too. So those are kind of some of the more general things I'll see, and then you can get into you know a lot more specific things like a rash or in, inflammation in the lungs. You know, a lot of asthmatics are actually eating foods that they're sensitive to. And of course, GI distress is a big one also because that food is right there. And it's, that's where a lot of this stuff happens. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, too many times, I think we, we sit in our chairs, sit in our desks or do our work and, you know, we get these pains and aches and we think, yeah. I just need to move more, which is probably true. Some of it might be caused by other factors.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, the, the general kind of worldview is that if it's, if it's food, you can eat it and it's, you know, you just put it in your body and you go and that really isn't true because there's absolutely a huge effect on what we put in our bodies and how it reacts to it so yeah your food affects your health it affects your mental state and you know, I'm not just talking about like somebody who eats Twinkies and drinks soda all day. This could be any food that may not be right for their physiology.
1: Let's say that somebody does follow your routines and has been working with you for a while. What kind of results could they typically see? I mean, beyond the obvious, you know, when it comes to, you made a great comment that, you know, to lead people better, you need to take better care of yourself. And I know I say that often as well. But uh, do you, you know, case studies on, on people that have shown drastic improvement and how it's helped them?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, in a, in a perfect uh, situation, you know, somebody is going to have a lot more energy, which, you know, when when somebody has that extra energy, then they can be more consistent in their other health routines, you know, then they've kind of got more of a, a the gumption, right? They're sleeping better, they've got more energy, now they, they can do their exercise routines more now they're losing weight, now their head is more clear, now they don't have to take whatever prescription they may have been put on. Um, now they've got, um, you know, better endurance. So again, better physical performance, better mental performance. So when we do it right and we get it right and and it's a synergy, right? I'm, I'm telling people what to do, but they need to take the ball and run with it. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, there's, you know, it's magic. People's lives are transformed and they feel a lot better and it's just right. It's a cascade effect. So Mm -hmm. It's it's awesome to see that, and and great to be a part of that when it happens.
1: It's one of the most gratifying things that I get to witness in my practice as well. You know, I know what I experienced in uh, the quality improvement of my life. You know, I, I brought a lot more quality to me. The relationships were better. The work performance was better. Um, I felt more alert and aligned to what my purpose was. I mean, it, it all just kind of flowed from there. But now that I'm working with people in the same concepts, and I get to witness. These uh, evolutions from, you know, these are good leaders. These are people that were great at their job. They got to that level for a reason that, you know, eventually the job and and the lifestyle starts to consume them and they're down, they're headed down a dark path, whether they know it or not. And eventually it will catch up to them, but to see them turn around, take better care of themselves and to hear the stories of how it's uh, even propelled their career beyond what they thought is just so rewarding to me. I I really enjoy that part of what I do. If people did want to get in touch with you to engage with you in your service, what's the best way to do that?
2: So they can uh, find me my email is uh, info at endurancehealthperformance.com. And then the web, that's the same name as the website, endurancehealthperformance.com. So they can look me up there and then there's an email and um, send me an email and I'd love to talk with people. I always am available for complimentary consultations. So if people aren't sure, or they want to
1: know more about me, if we're, we're a good fit, cause I want to know if they're a good fit too. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy to chat with people too. I want to thank Dr. Jason Barker for joining me on today's episode of the podcast. It was great having you here, and I really enjoyed this time to talk to you and hear the information about your practice. That's it for today. Until next time, remember to take better care of yourself so that you can take better care of those around you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Penso Effect. If you enjoyed this content, please share it with friends. Stay connected by subscribing to receive notifications about future episodes. For more about Steve, go to steveshrout.com. Until next time, develop your PEMSO and discover your best self.